into. Mate, chuck that thing in the air fryer for like 25 minutes. Oh, it comes out like you don't even need to eat it with anything. Like in terms of like, you know, in a meal, you can eat it in a meal. I put it in like wonton soups and fried rices and all that stuff. But yesterday I just like cooked up a few pieces of vegan fried chicken, chuck some barbecue sauce on it. And I was living my best life. There you go. <laughs> anyway, what are you grateful for? Lyle? So my family came to visit last night. My oh, son was awesome. there. My daughter was there. My daughter-in-law was there. My, uh, my granddaughter was there. Mm. She's amazing. She just turned three months old and she can get a big smile on her face now, which is just extra special. Oh, that's epic. Yes. It was just beyond epic. Oh, and that's cool because we had a baby in the house. And, and it's all, it's all legal. You can. That's right. Hang Absolutely. Out. We're allowed to do this now, which has <laughs> been amazing. Uh, we have not been able to, you know, well, we've been, a- we, thankfully, mm. we've been able to go over there. Uh, my daughter-in-law, of course, her parents are in Queensland. Yikes. Cause they've got Ooh, a three month old granddaughter that, um, they haven't seen yet. Yeah. They haven't met. That would just be. A lot of people are in that situation mm. right now, and I feel my heart goes out for every one of them. We have been so fortunate to be able to mm. spend time with our grandchildren during COVID, and I'm so thankful that we happen to live close enough so that we could actually do that when others That's awesome. couldn't. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, let's have some positively different news. Positively different news. Let's have a look at some things that are going ar- going on around the world. I've got a bit of a theme this morning on energy because I found some really kind of niche and cool stories about energy. And the first one that I found is a new form of, well, not a new form of energy because this type of en- energy has always existed, but a new style of this energy. So we're going to be talking about wind energy, right? That's an old form of energy. That is a very old form of energy. You know, wind's been used for a long time. And then in the modern sense, you have giant wind turbines that yes. spin and get blown on. But And in the old sense, you had windmills in places like the Netherlands. T- totally. Holland. Holland. Yep, definitely. Yes. So, so this is something that has always existed, wind power. And there's probably applications that go all the way I mean, back like to the, the in- ancient world. Sails on boats. That's right. That's right. Fantastic. Ever, ever stuff. since, ever since a human being first stepped foot in a boat, wind energy has been used because the moment the wind blew, the boat moved. But, but, but what if it didn't have a sail? Still moves. Yeah, still goes somewhere. Fair enough. You can still get. You can still look at the direction of the wind is blowing and step into the boat and go. I want to go to the other side of the lake. If the wind is blowing to the other side of the lake, you will go to the other side of the lake. <laughs> That's right. That's how you it know, works. Barring currents and. All those kinds of things. Yeah, that's why I went with lake. Yeah. Most lakes don't have a lot of current. Sometimes mm-hmm. some lakes do. Mm-hmm. If they're big enough. And and if they've got a flow of water in one end, out the other, that mm-hmm. is strong enough. Yeah, that's right. But check this out. This wind power idea has come from the United States, from a guy living out there, and he calls it a wall-sized kinetic sculpture. Um, and essentially, this, this, this wall, it's got these turbines all over it that kind of, that have blades attached to them and the wall is about seven and a half meters wide about two and a half meters tall and the wind blows on this wall looking sculpture which spins a bunch of axles which then make energy cool and from this guy his name is joe dowsett he's like completely made this by himself this is just like a so uh, so a wind wall a wind wall it literally looks like a wall full of small turbines that get spanned by the wind. 
So they spin vertically. They don't. They're not like propellers. They no. They spin this way. Yeah, horrors vertically. They're on a on their vertical axis. Yes. They're yeah. up and down axis. So there's a there's a there's a the 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 drive shaft is going up and down rather than yeah. That's right. That's right. Yes. That's right. And the wind catches them and spins them all around. They kind of look like like Buddhist prayer bells. If you know yeah, what, that's right. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what like they that. look uh-huh, like. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. basically, they get spun across. And in fact, you could sell these in Buddhist countries by writing prayers on them, and it could generate electricity and do their prayer thing at the same time. <laughs> you could. Well, personally, I wouldn't do that, but I'm sure there's an entrepreneur because what that out would, there that that would, could. What that would save you from doing is having to spin the prayer every time you walk past. You just set it up, and the wind does it for you. That's much right. like prayer flags, because the wind does it for you with a prayer flag. Mm. But then it has to be outside. Yeah, I mean, the Bible speaks against vain repetitions. Uh huh. Uh, but you know the Buddhist religion in their faith—that's how they—that's how they do things, and so this is not a Christian way of doing it. But Buddhists would go for this kind of thing. Mm. But essentially, what this guy has found from his testing and whatnot is that this has the ability to power a lot of you know the household's annual needs. You know, it can keep up with electricity, if not at the very least offset it as something that is contributing to to your house. And I can imagine as well, like, and uh, this this has very good scalable application yes. because you can just make a bigger wall. So you have a big warehouse. You can just make a big wall outside of it. Say so you have, you know, I can imagine, dude, imagine on the freeway, beside the freeway, like on top of retaining walls where there is constant wind br- brushing through because cars have wind coming off of them. If you just set up massive walls of these turbines that spin when they come into contact with wind that then go back to, you know, the electrical grid or whatever, y- you are winning. But then you could potentially say that, oh, but then those wind turbines are being spun by cars that are being powered by fuel, you know, fossil fuel. But it's it's energy that we are not currently using. Exactly. So this has the ability to really do the offsetting to... So you could build a, a concrete barrier in the middle of your freeway out of these things. Yeah. And it just generates electricity. That's right. For free. It would be a good excuse to go on a road trip. You've got your carbon offset right there. <laughs> yeah, by driving. By driving. Just <laughs> drive that a little bit closer to the concrete barrier. And you know what I'm thinking too? The faster you drive, you know, the more wind. The more, oh, <laughs> Lawson. <laughs> I like the way your brain works. Yeah, then you can just drive really fast out there. So you would, just, you would just drive the whole time right on the, right on the speed limit, right, Lawson? Uh-huh. Right, right on the speed right limit. Right on the speed because limit. Because that's the most efficient way of driving. Yes. Yes. Right on the on the speed right limit. On the speed yeah, that's, that's right. Not that's, over. It. Not no. We don't uh, advocate we don't for that. that. No, plan, that's yeah. not what we do. But <laughs> but yeah, pretty much. Like I I feel like this. I would love to just have one of these beside my house. Like that would be cool. Yes. Beside the road beside my house, that's getting all the wind from the cars there. So really, really cool stuff as well. Hey, just closing, I have a minute to talk about another story. An Australian company has... I've been following a little bit what's going on in the world of nuclear fusion. An Australian company oh, cool. has weighed in on this. A lot of what people are trying to do is to essentially um, turn hydrogen in. This is this is how nuclear fusion works. You turn um, hydrogen into helium. And during that process, you create power, like free power that's forever sustainable. Uh, but you do need to heat a ball 
of hydrogen up to like a million, uh, 100 million degrees Kelvin or something crazy. A, um, and, and that is the, t- the tough part because people are coming up with reactors and all different things. Um, but an Australian company has come up with a method of doing this by using a giant laser. And basically they shoot a giant laser with a, a ton of power for 20 quadrillionths of a second. And then for a couple nanoseconds, they disperse it with low power shots. And apparently that heats, you know, a plasma ball up so hot that then hydrogen can turn into helium and we can have forever sustainable nuclear power. Like, so that, that's what their initial tests are saying. So that is definitely a space to watch. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. But right now, let's have a listen to some what's going on in the world of current international slash national news. Well, what can I say about Victoria, but just... I don't want to live there. Wow. <laughs> just wow. Shout I mean, out to our Victorian listeners. You know, Faith just... FM is based in Victoria, and... Um, yes, it is. I bid you all well. Bid you God's blessings. <laughs> um, okay, so, 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 so basically what you're dealing with in Victoria is a state government that has kind of done a lot of things in... Um, a short amount, a relatively short amount of time. Mm. Uh, so they started out by what have they done? They've banned prayer, mm-hmm. banned certain types of prayer. You can go to jail for praying certain kinds of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, other Victorian achievements. Let me think. Uh, longest lockdowns for Melbourne of any city in the world ever on record. Mm. Um, that's pretty full on. Worst COVID outbreak. So longest lockdowns with worst outbreaks in Australia. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's, that's been happening. The harshest crackdowns on protests mm. that we've ever seen. So people being arrested in their homes and this is legal under Victorian law. This was not the police acting outside of the law. This was all legal, but being arrested in their homes for planning a protest, not mm. for actually having a protest, but for planning a protest. We've seen that happening in Victoria. Uh, let me see what else has been happening in Victoria. Okay, so recently the uh, the latest legislation that they're trying to pass through is to uh, remove the freedom from faith-based institutions like schools to be able to employ people who are exclusively of their faith. Mm. So forcing schools basically to employ anyone of any faith or no faith if they are a faith-based school. Mm. So that's a massive, massive just ripping the guts out of religious liberty in that state. Mm. And, you know, the destruction of faith-based schools. Totally. Um, What else have they done in Victoria? Okay, so this is the latest one. So they've been under um, state of emergency now for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And the way state of emergency works is that when the state goes under state of emergency, then... It gives sweeping powers to the to the premier. Mm. He ba- basically becomes incredibly powerful under state of emergency, and the longest you can have state of emergency for is six months. Yes, and so they every six months they have to pass new legislation to continue the state of emergency. The next one is set to expire on the fifteenth of December, and we all know that it is not going to be passed this time around. Mm. because everybody's vaccinated, everybody's like, yeah, we need to get back to it, whatever it might be. So it's not going to happen. And so what has Daniel Andrews done? Well, kind of a little bit like Julius Caesar, where Julius Caesar just proclaimed himself dictator for life. Mm. Daniel Andrews has put now uh, legislation before Parliament that that uh, removes the whole state of emergency requirement 
And all the Premier needs to do now is to declare a pandemic. If the Premier declares a pandemic, then he has all of those state of emergency powers plus a whole heap more. Okay. And it's like, well, you know, uh, one person just steps up and says, yes, it's a pandemic, and you've got as much power as you want. Basically, it's like these guys are just drunk on power, mm. and they just don't want to give it up. It's like, oh, we've had this power for two years now. We're going to lose it on the 15th of December. This is not going to be fun, so let's figure out a way of legislating ourselves uh, more power. And so this is called the Public Health and Wellbeing Mandate 2021. It was tabled last Tuesday. We're just starting to see some of the details uh, coming out of it. Um, it's just yeah, uh, uh, basically a massive power grab. And one of the most concerning things I see within this is how that, well, first of all, you know how in most parts of Australia, uh, if you break the COVID mandate, that's a $1,000 fine. Yeah. If you break it in a business setting or whatever, it becomes a $5,000 fine. Mm. And so I know a few people that have had these kinds of you know, fines for you know, whatever reason. Yeah. And uh, so Daniel Andrews is like, yeah, no, you know what we're going to do? Rather than the $1,000 and the $5,000 fines, um, replacing the $1,000 fine is two years jail and $90,000 fine. If you're a business, that's half a million dollars. What for? For going outside. For 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 breaking COVID regulations, you know whatever those regulations. Break, wait, might wait, be. wait, wait. So we're talking like, okay, what what do they define as a COVID regulation? Because they were giving out those yeah. fines for like not wearing we, your mask, all that kind of stuff. Two years jail. Two years jail, ninety thousand dollars. I mean, I know people that have got less than that for child abuse. Yeah. And I probably mean, in Victorian legislation. I know people who have got less sentences than that for child abuse. That is... It's pretty off the charts. Um, okay, and, and, and not only that, but they've, um, they've given themselves the power to create um, apartheid. Listen to this. Listen to this. Um, they can go after a person um, who is identified as a... Um, as a, as a, uh, what was the, what was the name for it here? That ha- that takes into account characteristics, attributes, or circumstances. So a person who is identified by their characteristics, attributes, or circumstances. In other words, they are identified as being, say, religious. Mm. Okay. Um, a person identified by one or more of the following, their presence in a pandemic management area or particular location in a pandemic management area. How do you define a particular location? Mm. Give me the definition of that, please. Um, their participation in or presence at an event. That's it. I'm, I'm reading from the legislation right here. I'm, I'm reading. Okay. There is no definition for that whatsoever. So for, okay. So, so basically, this is so far. there can be there can be no opposition whatsoever at all. There can be no protest. There can be nothing. Um, an activity that they have undertaken or undertake or are undertaking. An activity can be commenting on social media or going on Zoom and having church. It's just an activity. That's all the legislation says. It doesn't define what kind of activity. It just says an activity. Mm. And finally, their personal characteristics, attributes, or circumstances. Mm. In other words, anyone who dares step outside of what the government says in any way, shape, or form any form of dissent will be crushed. Yikes. 
So this is very interesting, particularly for those who are students of, of the Bible and Bible prophecy, because we live in a country of freedom. And as a result of living in a country of freedom, we kind of assume freedom will just sort of last forever. And we say, well, how could that ever disappear in Australia? Well, here's Exhibit A. <laughs> yeah, well. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Anyway, let's go to our interview of the day. And joining us on the phone, of course, is David Haupt. David, welcome to the show. Good morning, gentlemen, and good morning to your listeners. Good to be back. Now, David, you work obviously in the area of uh, mental health and uh, therapy. You work with people uh, with all kinds of issues that come to you for counselling and so forth. And when you sent through today's topic for discussion, the thought that went through my mind was no, Surely not. Within your field, surely it is not possible that there are therapists who recommend couples who are struggling in their marriage to use pornography to spice up their marriage. Is this really a thing? Sadly, it is. And that is the reason why I recommended that we talk about this topic because we previously primarily focused on young people involved with pornography and the impact of it. But... um, Sadly, I've just recently again had uh, two professional people sit down with me having to deal with marital issues that they face uh, with other people. And um, as I described the, the, the problem, I asked them the question. I said, is pornography at play in this situation? They both looked at each other, you know, quite flabbergasted, but the answer was yes. It's very interesting, Lyle, that uh, 73% of women uh, in the 85% of people that did respond to the research indicated that they were involved in pornography on the internet in the past six months. 98% of men were involved. Those are massive figures. It is, it is massive figures. Now, let me add to that. In research that was done amongst uh, solicitors, attorneys in America that specializes in divorce, um, they have found in this research that uh, predominant uh, and, and a high percentage of the, those marriages that break up, there was one individual that accessed pornography on a regular basis. So, so this is something that has changed in the last, say, 30 years, really, hasn't it? I mean, this would not have been anything like as big of an issue back in the days of, you know, dirty magazines and VHS videos? Exactly. And the accessibility, the affordability, and the isolation that pornography actually provides makes it so much more easy to access for most people, uh, pornography is free, but it is not free because I see, and not only do I, but the research indicates to us that there's a huge price that we pay when we get involved in pornography. Now, the majority of uh, humanistic therapists will say, this is rubbish. Um, this is just you know, a good way of introducing young people to sexuality and how their bodies will operate and it's a good time, uh, you know, if, if, if I have time in my hands to, to really just enjoy myself during that time. But is it? Is it really so innocent? 
It's interesting that one of the most popular male porn stars of all time actually on a website, Fight the New Drug, um, shared his own struggle. And he said the following, now remember, he's a porn star. He said, I had to go to work so I could do the porn so that I could buy the drugs to buy the to, to bury the pain from doing the porn, and around and around it went. And this, so wait, 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 wait! This is from a male porn star. This is from a male porn star. Because we often hear about the damage that it does to female porn stars, and of course, you know, men and women approach sexuality quite differently from each other, and you don't expect that. You know, you expect that from a female porn star, but you don't expect that from a male porn star. That's a very, very telling testimony. Exactly. Now, Lyle, uh, I, I know that you know it is sensitive area that we're treading on, but um, young people access pornography in the, at the, uh, uh, primarily at the age of eleven. Yes, we've talked Sorry. about this a number of times here on <clears throat> Faith FM Radio, and particularly when we get Darren Pratt on, because uh, Darren's our resident expert on things to do to do with children, and um, yeah, we've talked about the ages at which children are accessing pornography and, and some of the massive challenges that parents have with that. Now, let's talk about what happens there. Now, we, we won't go in too deep, but um, with the habit of pornography, it doesn't stay by just watching. It also goes into masturbation. The moment that those two are linked, the young person actually miswires the pleasure center in his brain incorrectly. So when this pleasure center is miswired, what happens? The two acts together actually releases Delta Force B, which is a protein in the brain that regulates sexual reward responses. And it leads to hypersexuality and continual cravings for porn. And the regular things that young men and women normally would enjoy in life suddenly loses its meaning. In other words, we find that young people tend to now withdraw from society, from nature, from the things that they would normally enjoy within life, and they withdraw into an isolation where the self-manipulation and self-excitement continues. Now, this pornography plus masturbation, which leads to brain hardwire for objective sex. In other words, pornography is where you normally sit back and you observe how others are acting and behaving. And we see that this eventually objectifies sex where the normal enjoyment of two people in a loving relationship coming together to share themselves with each other, to focus on each other, suddenly loses interest. Can you see where I'm heading? I can see where you're heading, and it seems to me that this is just absolutely stripping the, um, stripping the whole enjoyment of... of of what sex can actually be and how good sex can actually be. And it seems like we're going to have a generation of, 
uh, people that are coming through that actually have no idea of how good sex is. So relational sex suddenly starts to lose its impact. If, if I can tell your listeners how many marriages excuse me, I have worked with where one partner says that my partner just has no interest in me anymore. There's no interest. There's no touching. There's no uh, gratification. Whenever I approach my partner for intimacy, God has designed us in a very phenomenal way that when two people in the marital relationship are intimate, oxytocin is released. In other words, it is the bonding uh, hormone that actually brings two people together. Suddenly, there's no interest for that anymore. So <clears throat> when when therapists prescribes pornography to spice up the relationship, they are in actual fact dooming that relationship for failure. Mm, mm. Why is it that therapists aren't actually recognizing this? I mean, surely this is this makes the most obvious sense ever. Sadly, we, um, we live in a world where Christian therapy is frowned upon, where Christian morals of, of sharing and, and being more focused on the enjoyment of my spouse than just purely my enjoyment is absolute. Uh, it is all about self now. It's all about my own gratification. And this is what pornography really does. It is a self-centered self-gratification focus area. This is where the whole objectification of, of sex is leading to. Um, when when ejaculation takes place with, uh, with masturbation, there is no other real person on the other side of the screen that you can hold. It's just a cold screen. There's no closeness, no warmth, no sharing with another individual. But it, it often stems from very early in our life, uh, Lyle, when, when there is family dysfunctionality and trauma that takes place. Uh, so often young people find um, some warmth and acceptance in pornography. What they have found in the research was a clear link between the... Um, the, the brain chemical dopamine that is released, the neurotransmitter that's released, that acts like an opiate. And for those people that actually watch more porn, they have found that the brain actually releases those neurotransmitters more and more and more that acts like a, an opiate pain reliever. Therefore, they get addicted to the numbing of, of the uh, loneliness, numbing of the isolation instead of turning to someone else to actually, research shows that the best way to actually come out of your loneliness, out of your depression, is to look away from yourself and actually become a blessing for someone else. Mm -hmm. With the When you talk about the addiction, the dopamine addiction, which is the same as an opiate addiction, um, we notice that with um, opiate addicts that they uh, tend to th th their body becomes somewhat resistant to the drug, and so they take more and more of it. Is it the same with dopamine? Does the Bible does the does the body, I should say, build up a resistance to dopamine? Exactly, and that was one next point that the tolerance level starts to uh, 
you know, build up and they need therefore more, they need more aggressive, more violent, uh, pornography, uh, you know, imagery for them to have exactly the same impact. And, and this is where they eventually have problems with the law. And what is scary for me, I'm a grandfather, father of granddaughters. And, and while the number one search, uh, in the link with pornography that, that the police have found was the word teen. Mm. So the younger, the better. So, so you see, what we've, yeah. So this is how this is why we're seeing such a, a pandemic of of you know m- people involved with child pornography in the world, and a pandemic of child abuse. Even though we're fighting against it with all kinds of procedures, we're not actually addressing the root cause of it. Exactly, and in a poll that uh, amongst eight hundred and fifty four human trafficking survivors, they've discovered that more than 50% of uh, those survivors were actually used in the porn industry. They were forced into the porn industry. David, this is an incredibly uh, heavy stuff that we're dealing with right now. Um, We're just about out of time, but before we finish off, uh, is there hope for people that are addicted to porn and is there hope for people who have been abused by the porn industry? There surely is. Firstly, for those that are the survivors of that industry because they've been abused, their identity is not found in what has been happening with them and been done to them, but is in reality found in what a saviour God is actually saying over them. And he promises in the book of Second Corinthians 5 that he can in actual fact remake them, that they can be a new creation. For those individuals that are caught up in the addiction, I would like to remind you of Job 31 verse 1 says that I've made a covenant with my eyes that I will never again desire a young woman. In other words, look lustfully at a young woman. Uh, Yeah, I would like to suggest is a covenant that needs to be made, a decision, deliberate decision, that that is not the direction I want to go, that I make a covenant between me and my God and my eyes not to go that way. Please go and search for professional help. Mm, David, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning. And uh, just add to that, go and search for not just professional help, but for Christian professional help because Amen. Amen. that's where you're going to find the help that you need here. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.